I stuck to Harris like glue after the incident with the text messages. While I had been making what I hoped was some progress, they had been manipulated and almost caught. The thought chilled me to the bone. That was not the action of a group of desperate but ultimately neutral spirits. That was something dark and cruel. Whatever was pushing the pigeons to menacing acts had finally come out of the shadows. Still, I found it hard not to blame the pigeons. I struggled with a lot of rage. All my determination to help them and protect them was dimmed by the thought that I could have lost the person I love. It was now only a week from Halloween, and I couldn't force us both to hide in our flat forever, so we continued on as before, as cautious and as careful as we could be, with the weight of the threat hanging over our heads. We had a party to shop for, so we were out again on a freezing cold afternoon, arms full of bags and both of us exhausted and ready to head home. We only had a couple more items to get and were gamely fighting through the crowds along Socky Hall Street when something made me shiver. Being in a big group of people always makes me feel nervous. I'm pretty claustrophobic. But this was something more than that. There was an odd tension in the air as if the crowds were charged up with some sort of nervous energy. I would expect that on a Friday or Saturday night, but not in the middle of the day. I didn't understand it. Looking at people, it was clear though that something was wrong. Beneath their normal faces, I could see that people seemed almost afraid. Harris and I were jostling ourselves to the next shop when I thought I spotted the source of the weird atmosphere. About a hundred feet away from us, I saw a figure in the crowd, right in front of the empty space where Victoria's nightclub used to be. It stood out to me, but seemed to be attracting no attention from anyone else. At first I thought it was some kind of street performer. It was tall and unnaturally thin in a long coat and a wide-brimmed hat, but there was no space around the figure to indicate it had an audience and no one looking at it. I had pretty much come to the conclusion that it was yet another ghost, I was about to give it a friendly wave when I noticed what it was doing. It was looking at another person in the crowd, a young-looking girl. Its face was completely obscured by the hat, but its thin neck twisted to follow her as she moved through the spaces between other people, and it moved slowly and methodically in her direction. I grabbed Harris's arm and began to move us towards the spirit to figure out exactly what it was planning on doing. The girl seemed to sense that something was behind her and began to try to move faster, her progress slowed by a couple of taller guys who seemed caught up in the strange sense of fear that had spread through the crowd and seemed unable to turn around to notice her trying to get past, as if afraid of what they might see. As the ghost got closer to the girl, it raised its arms and began to lower them towards her. She had begun to try to push past the guys, who had frozen still, their expressions confused, as if they weren't entirely sure why they were behaving this way. As we finally grew close, I saw the long figures of the spirit rest on the girl's shoulders, and she began to scream, now in a full panic. Still, no one except us were looking in her direction. I glared at the ghost, and elbows out, Harris and I managed to force a wide enough gap to squeeze through. I looked the girl in the eyes, gently took her arm, and pulled her away from the spirit. The effect was immediate. She calmed down instantly, and let me guide her through the other people into a quiet shop entrance. She mumbled a thank you and Harris and I left her to call her friends. 
When I turned back to scan the crowds, the ghost was gone. Or so I thought. As Harris and I left the last shop and began to move towards the bus stop, we both began to feel weirdly tense. I wondered if we were just tired and in need of some coffee, and ignored it as we got on the bus, happy to be sitting, even if it was getting fuller and fuller. But, as I looked up, I saw the figure again, stepping on board. It had noticed us, and was following us home. I groaned. I was tired, sore, ready for a nap. Why couldn't ghosts bother me when I was well rested? I was not up for dealing with what seemed like an actual malevolent spirit. I indicated to Harris that we should try to ignore it and hope it gave up. Harris was less than convinced, but too tired to really argue. The bus started to move and the thing hadn't started to get too close, but the atmosphere it created had already gripped the people on board hard, permeating each person, one at a time. Soon they were bickering or looking nauseous, gripping onto handles and seat backs with white fingers and grim expressions. My head began to hurt and I could feel panic beating inside my chest, desperate to get out. My head began to spin with thoughts of the bus crashing or people attacking each other and any other terrible thing that could possibly happen. Harris was close to tears. I pulled out my headphones, put on the cheeriest podcast I had downloaded gave an earbud to Harris, stuck the other one in my ear, held their hand, ready to set out the misery. It seemed like an eternity until we reached our stop. We jumped off, and as I had feared, the ghost followed us. I was done. I stopped suddenly at the top of our street and spun around, catching the ghost right behind me. It was almost two feet taller than me, and I looked right up at it, straight into its hidden face. I could still see nothing but shadow. Hey! I shouted. What do you think you're doing? I'm a busy person. I don't have time to be haunted right now. You should be ashamed bothering people when they're just trying to get through their day. It was clear that the ghost had not been expecting this. It took a step back as I glared into its face and clutched its long hands up in a protective gesture. I felt a pang of sympathy for it. When I looked right at it, it didn't seem very dangerous at all, just kind of awkward and gangly. I also noticed that the atmosphere hadn't returned, even though I was so close to it. I hesitated. Then, I held out my hand. I'm sorry for shouting, I said. I don't know why you do what you do, but I'm beginning to feel that you're not trying to hurt people. I don't really understand much about spirits yet, but I know you can't always control what you become. But, let's agree not to upset each other anymore, okay? There was a long pause as the ghost seemed to process what I was saying. It moved its neck between me and Harris, facing us both in turn. I felt a soft warmth in my stomach that grew into a peaceful feeling as we all looked at each other. Then it held out a hand and carefully shook mine, our fingers passing through each other's as we moved our arms up and down. I felt nothing but a slight chill. It raised its hat, and I saw the flash of a smile before it turned and faced the setting sun fading away into the lengthening shadows of the autumn afternoon. Glasgow Ghost Stories is written and produced by Libby Thomas. Narration is by Libby Thomas. Credits are read by Harris Jones. 
theme music is by Kevin McLeod and can be found at the Free Music Archive. Sound effects are from freesound.org. Follow us at Glasgow Ghost Stories on Twitter and Tumblr and visit us at glasgowghoststories.wordpress.com for transcripts of every episode. It can be easy to jump to conclusions, but try to remember that some people and some spirits simply need to be acknowledged. Though the troubles they bring may seem too horrible to confront, you might just find that a little attention resolves them far quicker than ignoring them. And as always, thanks for listening.